Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is tennis season right now. Well and truly, the ASB Classic, of course, here. We've had the Adelaide International over in Australia, uh, the Brisbane Interna- International, and then, of course, the Aussie Open, which gets underway later this month. And um, our man from SEN, our tennis commentator, host of the First Serve Podcast, is Brett Phillips. He joins us now. G'day, BP. Sam, nice to chat. I'll tell you what, I was just uh, moving about in my chair, a little bit of a little river band. It's got yes. me going. It's a good good starter for the day. I oh, like it. He's done a good job out there in the booth, Brian, to uh, to get your pampered up and ready to go, mate. <laughs> hey, is there any, you know, you're obviously uh, a, a very big tennis mind. Is there any, does the ASB Classic register, you know, for, for Aussies over there? I mean, you probably are keeping your eyes somewhat on the results, but does it sort of register in amongst the Adelaide and the Brisbane? Well, for me, who's obsessed, uh, yes, I'm all over it. Uh, hopefully, you can get some kind of weather. Uh, I felt yep. a bit for the ASB Classic last week, uh, having to move uh, quite a few matches uh, indoors, but uh, you're always in the lap of the gods. Um, and I think it's funny, you know, Sam, I think Australia is sort of leading the way, uh, if I can be uh, parochial just for a moment, in terms of our stadium development. If you look at, you know, Brisbane, you look at Sydney, you look at the refurbished uh uh, Memorial Drive in Adelaide, all now with sort of canopy roofs mm. over the top of the main courts. And I think more stadiums are going to have to move that way, you know, over the next, uh, you know, 10 to 20 years. We've seen all the Grand Slams now have, you know, centre court roofs, uh, you know, number one court roofs. And it means you've got that sort of continuous play. Now, every tournament would be a little different, but yeah, when the heavens open, uh, you know, I think back to some days at the French and the, the US Open where there were days just totally washed out at a Grand Slam, which is pretty tragic for those putting on the event. So, yeah, I think Australia's uh, done a great job in that regard, but uh, I'm sort of indirectly answering your question. Uh, yes, <laughs> I am following the ASB uh, Classic. What I thought was interesting, uh, Jamie Murray and, and Michael Venus from your uh, neck of the woods mm-hmm. who were runner-up in Adelaide, I think had to jump on a flight that night, get through, uh, you know... Uh, um, customs and everything else to get to Auckland and then they'll come back to Melbourne for the Australian Open so it's a you know you quickly move on uh, in tennis from yeah. week to week yeah absolutely and I think as well as looking at uh, Novak Djokovic's run through to the uh, through to the final he played uh, constant Alistair the, the Frenchman who was also here uh-huh. at the ASPC he jumped on a plane very quickly what um yeah. what did you make uh, of of Coco Goff then obviously taking out the woman's side over here and, and pretty convincingly I think she said in her post match and I hope I'm right that that's only her uh, that's her first win on hard court in 3 years is that right yeah yeah, correct. Uh, look, she's a star, and she was going to be the hot favourite in that field, no doubt. Um, you know, making a French Open final last year. I mean, we've been watching Coco since she sort of burst onto the scene. What is a, you know, 14, 15-year-old? I'll never forget that match at Wimbledon when she took on, you know, Venus Williams, one of her idols. And uh, it was the the young uh, teenager up against, uh, you know, Venus, who was 40 at that time. I think Coco was 16 and, look, she's been destined to be a star right from the outset. I mean, she's got, uh, it seems from the outside looking in, uh, great supportive parents who are there every step of the way and guiding her through not only her tennis career, but you know, still guiding her through her teenage years and mm. just having some normality uh, in and around the chaos of being a professional tennis player. I've got no doubt she's going to do great things in the sport. 
And, um, yeah, she's, you know, some people are just born winners, and I think Coco's one of those. Where do you think she's at in terms of a major and obviously the Aussie Open coming up? Is she quite there yet to, ch- to challenge the top, or do you think she's still a way, way? Well, I think she's in a pool of players. I mean, you know, right now going into 2023, the world number one, you know, is 6,000 points clear, Iga Sviontek. So she had an incredible year. So she's not going to be dethroned from the world number one for some time. It doesn't mean to say she's unbeatable. Uh, that's been proven. Jessica Bagula, uh, the world number three, beat her at the United Cup in uh, Sydney uh, only a few days ago. In fact, it was Eager's worst match for about three years in terms of the, the game's one uh, differential. So she's human and she, you know, there's always the pressure when you're the, when you're the hunted uh, as the best player in the game. But there is a clear gulf, and then you just sort of throw a blanket over, you know, quite a few of them. And Coco, I think, is in that in that group. But she does have this um, she does have this great ability to, I think, sort of just outwork her opponents. So I just like the game. I think there's you know there's the power, uh, which is you know the, the racket technology these days allows you to hit the ball with great ferocity. But I like her variety. Uh, you know, she's prepared to slice. Uh, you know, might have sort of been watching an Ash Barty and, and others who you know, on Jabir who play a different type of game. So I think she's got all the elements that can maybe sort of leapfrog her over a few of her fellow top 10 players. Big story um, over the last couple of days is uh, Naomi Osaka withdrawing from the Aussie Open. And I guess all the chat now, Brett, is, is you know, is Naomi or are we in danger of, of seeing Naomi Osaka drop out of tennis entirely? Is it sort of getting to that stage now where we're worried that she may actually leave the game altogether? Yeah, possibly, uh, Sam. I mean, clearly it's not her number one uh, focus. So she didn't play a lot last year. We know that. You know, she really struggled. She opened up about that. I mean, won four majors at a young age, thrown into the spotlight, very shy uh, girl who, I suppose, just if you, you know, go with the backstory back to her upbringing, homeschooled, just probably didn't have that, uh, that maybe that, that social interactive ability um, in, in, a, in a world where everyone wants a piece of you. I think it became a little bit too much. Mm. And she needed to step away uh, for her own mental health, I think, and then wasn't quite enjoying the game because it is a lifestyle. It doesn't suit everyone, and we've seen that with our very own Ash, you know, but she could afford to make the decision. Look, Naomi could afford to make the decision right now. I mean, she's worth um, millions of dollars, and she continued, I think, to do things away from tennis that will bring her a very nice income for quite some time, uh, Sam. So, yeah, I mean, effectively... Sort of a bit like Kyrgios in a sense here. She's become this sort of part-time tennis player. I mean, she's not injured. I mean, she was only in Europe, I think, a few days ago with a rapper boyfriend taking in the sights of Paris and other things. So, yeah, tennis just doesn't clearly um, sort of fit the agenda for her at the moment. I think I don't think she's totally gone, but I don't know if we'll see her back you know, at the top end of the game ever again. Mm. It's such a... Um you know, a demanding sport, Brett, and they're all, you know, we hear a lot about how they're always on their own or quite often they're on their own. It's obviously an individual sport. It's a it's a grind a lot of the time. Is there, I guess, when you look at Barty and you look at Osaka and we've seen it sometimes on the men's side as well, is there more that tennis can do or the tennis world can do to, I guess, try and limit this sort of stuff happening more often? Or is yeah, it just the nature of it? A, yeah, I, I think it is. I, I don't know if there's the exact science and solution to it all. Uh, I think if, if, if I just look at the uh, situation here in Australia, I mean, we're, we're probably suffering a bit. I mean, the player development pool is a little thin at the moment, particularly on the girls' side. 
And the more and more people I talk to are thinking, okay, rather than maybe go onto the pro tour at 17, 18, where, you know, you're just throwing yourself out there with all the expense that comes with it, particularly where we are, you know, and for yourself, Sam, in New Zealand, you know, geographically, we've got to go a long way to be in the tennis universe to, mm. you know, to play competitively. And I think more and more kids are looking seriously at the US college path where they go into a, a college system for four years, they play high-level tennis, they also come out of it with a degree. So if tennis doesn't work, they've got something else to their name and they can pursue some other things outside of tennis. And, you know, we cover a fair bit of the college tennis here at the first serve and, and there's some great stories out of that. And a lot of them actually come into the pro game sort of at 22, a bit more hardened, match hardened, a bit more... Uh, perspective, maturity, and they can sort of hit the ground running and make uh, an impression at that ITF challenger level. So, yeah, the pathway is always one to choose. Not everyone will do the same thing, um, but I think college has become even more attractive than it ever has been. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of the college system for any sport in the States because, like you said, you get that education at the same time, which I think is a good, uh, you know, it's a good backup mm. for, for folks as well. It takes a bit of the pressure away. Um, on the men's side, uh, some big news uh, out of there as well with uh, Carlos Alcaraz, who's pulled out due to an injury. And for me, that sort of really does open it up a little bit. Um, Brent, of course, we've got Novak there. Um, I think Rafa is now the number one seed. Is that correct? He's promote, been promoted to the number yep. one? Um, and yeah, then, correct. Yeah, and, right. then if, and then, you know, Medvedev will be floating there. So who do you reckon or, or yeah, who takes that genuine number one spot now that Alcaraz isn't going to be there? Oh, look, oh, to me, Djokovic is the absolute red-hot favourite. Uh, nine-time Australian Open winner. He's won, what, 34 matches in a row in Australia, including the Adelaide title uh, just over the weekend. I still think of him, Sam, as the world number one, to be totally honest. And he wasn't afforded the luxury of playing a full schedule last year. I mean, technically, he's still not allowed into the United States. Uh, hopefully, they'll relax that and he can play uh, all four Grand Slams this year. He's eyeing all the big records. Physically, he looks uh, as good as he ever has. He's always taken incredible care of himself. He's quite, you know, alternate, as we know, in just uh, you know, the methods he uses to get the absolute best out of himself and to stay in peak condition. You know, Raph is always the interesting watch. Every time we think he's gone and he's uh, battling, he comes out and produces a Herculean effort. <laughs> I mean, it's Rude, Fitzy Pass, Rublev, you know, Felix Auger, Eliassine, Medvedev, Fritz, Rune. I'm just looking at that top 10 game. Well, any of those guys could step up. It would just come down to matchups. Who's um, who's looking the goods? I mean, Alcaraz out. This whole Garoon, uh, he is a beauty, uh, absolute beauty, this kid. I've got no doubt he at some point, will be the world number one player. So if you just think about Elkaraz and Reno, you know, that rivalry, uh, both are, what, 19 years of age over the next 15 years, is going to be something to be seen. And he might, you know, look at this as an opportunity. Carlos out, I can maybe go a little bit deeper. He had a great rise to the top 10 last year. The men's game, I'm just scanning all the way down. There are so many um, great competitors, but I think there's a golf, though, with Djokovic uh, this year. He's going to take some beating. And uh, give us the latest on uh, Camilla Georgie, who uh, we, we talked about this story yesterday. Very bizarre story about uh, faking vaccination documents, etc. Is there any update on that and whether or not she's going to be allowed into Australia or kicked out? Well, she's here. Uh, she's here because she played, um, uh, I think, Adelaide qualifying over... Um, the weekend. So, look, I think it's being investigated. We don't know too much more than that. But, look, no surprise, Sam. I mean, the Georgies have been embroiled in controversy for as long as I can remember. And it goes back, it goes back a long way to, I think, some investors in the United States who wanted to get involved in her tennis. 
they partnered up, and then the Georgies were supposed to pay them, I think, a slice of the uh, prize money, and they couldn't find the Georgies for some time, and uh, oh dear. They, didn't, they didn't get that. So if you go back, if you're just really fascinated, everyone out there, about Camilla Georgie, just do a Google search. Yes. You'll find plenty of stories across uh, the journey. I'll never forget at the Hobart International, <clears throat> going back a few years ago, on a very wild, windy day in Hobart, Camilla served 26 double faults, and I got the cameraman to just follow her father, who was hiding behind several trees. He couldn't look. He looks like Einstein, big Sergio, <laughs> and uh, he wanted to just get on the plane and leave his daughter in Hobart back then, but that's another story. <laughs> so there's always something going on oh, with the Georgies. Yeah, um, that's that's my afternoon reading, actually, is a little Google search of Camilla Georgie. Um, she might. I, I don't know if she does, but I'd love for her to appear in this uh, this new Netflix uh, series that's coming out later this week. Do you have any interest? Do any of the, the tennis pundits have any interest in a uh, in a tennis documentary? I know it's um, the same producers as Drive to Survive, and a lot of Formula One purists didn't sort of like the way that was all presented. But are you, you know, any interest for you at this yeah. uh, break point? Absolutely. Yeah, I think tennis has been crying out for something like this. I'd, I'd love to do one of my own, Sam, and just maybe follow the lower rungs of the tour. <laughs> and those who are doing those who are doing it really yeah. tough to try and even break break even in the sport, I think that'd be a great documentary. But no, we'll get a look at it. I think the first five editions are coming out, and then they'll release more episodes uh, later in the year. But yeah, I think any time you can go behind the scenes uh, is great. I think we've all watched a lot of sports doc over the last three years during COVID, whether it be soccer, cricket. Uh, the F one one as you mentioned, so yeah, I don't. I've seen a trailer. I haven't seen any more than that. But I think there's a few main characters, including a very own Nick Kyrgios at yep. Carlton Square. So uh, yeah, we'll get a we'll get a look. We'll see what they. Uh We'll see what made the cutting room floor and what didn't. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, as you mentioned, crying out for it, it did wonders for Formula One. So, you know, hopefully for tennis, it, it brings a whole lot of new people to the sport. And, uh, yeah, it's a sport that we all love to, to get in behind, particularly the majors, Brett, but we really don't know the, the grind, as they talk about, of, of what these um, athletes, men and women, have to yeah. do on the circuit. So I think it's going to be very, very revealing. Um, we'll let you go, my friend. I know you've got to go and uh, you've got to go get yourself a haircut, the glitz and glamour of TV. Uh, you, we, don't need, we, don't, we don't require those here in radio, but really. <laughs> Really appreciate your time as always, mate, and I'm sure we'll catch up uh, as the Open gets underway. Good man. Thank you, Sam. Good to chat.